Welcome, everybody, to the Bandit Radio Hour. Uh, especially you folks in, in uh, what country is it, Merce? Belgium. Be- Belgium. We have most of our downloads coming out of Belgium, so thanks, friends. Uh, but welcome to the Bandit Radio Hour. It's me, the Bandit, with my producer, Merce. I've uh, made him cancel plans three or four times to tie him down and bring the, bring the magic box that records my voice and puts it out for all the people to hear. He, he has all the technology. I just I got the brain and the yapper. Uh, but yeah, we're, we're here inside his trailer out in this abandoned wilderness that is Central Florida. And I'm what's gonna, left of it. Well, yeah, yeah, what's left of it. Ish. But uh, speaking of what's left of it, uh, you know, one of, <laughs> I, I, a little bit, little bit of background on me. Uh, I guess I'll, I'll do a little bit of my political uh, history of myself. So growing up, uh, Merce, quick question. Anybody growing up on a ranch in the 90s, what was their political thought? Inherent tax bad? And, well, y- yes, yeah, but I mean, like, uh, let me put it like this. All of our parents and aunts and uncles and everyone we grew up around, how did they tend to vote by the time we were growing up? Oh, they were like, well, everybody registered a Democrat. But, yeah, because of started, our... And they started voting Republican. Everybody voted. It was conservative, at yeah, least. extremely was conservative. Extremely conservative. So that's like, I, I grew up, like, being a flag waver for the Republican Party. And uh, you, you must worship the magic cloth that hangs in every classroom. Uh, all uh, hell, Fox News. Uh, uh, all that. And I started, like, seeing cracks... And like those beliefs go like most people do. Well, I think on all spectrums of everything, not even political when, when you start getting your formative years in college. Uh, but with the last like little skeptical skeptic of myself, like, Oh, like maybe there's still some good government. I'll I'll work for the department of agriculture. Uh, that was, but, but the reason I'm saying all that, that, that brought me to the department of agriculture at that job. You're talking about wilderness disappearing. I thought this was like, how, how should I put it? There were certain talking points I heard growing up that I just knew didn't really make sense. On Like, like I'll tell you a big one. I, you see it on bumper stickers everywhere in every rural county, and some people are going to want to throw sticks at me for this. But uh, if it wasn't for, you better thank a farmer or else you wouldn't have food on your table. And like, I'm a rancher. Like, yes, I agree. But also, if it wasn't for like the guy that welds metal, we wouldn't have the head catcher to catch the cows. We my, would... my favorite bumper sticker was on a log truck, and it just says, "It's hard to wipe with plastic." <laughs> but like, like, yeah, there's you hear a lot of these like little th- like I'm sure if you're from a factory town, it's like, oh, you better thank us for your IKEA furniture. I don't know what y'all people make. We don't have factories here. Uh, we used to have a Coca-Cola bottling plant, but that went the way of the dinosaur. Um, but. The reason I'm saying all that, one of the things I heard growing up was farmers like, yep, they're just moving closer and closer to us, and we can't survive around all the city growing. And my thought kind of always was like, well, don't you have to sell your land? Like, and isn't it going up in value? So you can say, like, what's the, I mean, don't get me wrong, I don't like things changing, but there's some things you just can't, you know, stop, so might as well take advantage of it. But there was, when I, when I had this job, worked for the Department of Ag, going around to different farmers and hearing their problems, it blew my mind how many of them were in this situation of like, I am a sixth generation farmer in Polk County. 
and we've been farming the same land, and now our people around us have sold out, and the houses have gotten closer. He goes, now, if I'm outside spraying my grove with safe stuff that we, you know, we wouldn't spray, but we have to watch out for the houses. People get mad at us for doing it during the day. So we try to, we literally switch our work hours to do it at night, and then they hate us for that. Uh, and he's like, well, I'm selling. I'm selling out. I'm cutting this short. I'm like, that, that's one of the things that kind of dug in and... Uh, so yes, what Mer said, what's left of it, yeah, it's, it's literally getting smaller and smaller, but there's still a lot of it. I think, I mean, one of my favorite things is you look at a map of Florida during the night and you see like the coast looks like it's lit up like a Christmas tree. But then if you look like in between the coast, like it's just we're like, we're like the seeing the Lion King. Oh no, that dark here. <laughs> Don't go there. No, it's, no, it's nothing but saltwater rednecks and and marsh people. Um, but one of the things I wanted to get in, so we were planning on actually having an impromptu interview tonight uh, with a Twitter user of the name Roth Birdian. And I, I, she's, she's a lot more uh, famous than I am, if that's the right word for people that follow you on Twitter. Uh, but I, I tell you, there is this, like, she is part, and she's, she's one of the good ones of the subgroup of like Twitter users and Facebook users that are like meme magicians that will make memes. And I'm, I'm pretty brainy that I'll look at and go, I, I, I don't get it. And then I got to go read a Wikipedia page and then I come back and go, Oh, I see what you did there. You're, you're, uh, making fun of some group we're not supposed to. <laughs> and I'll leave it at that. Fill in the blank with whatever you want. They're good at it. Uh, although it always reminds me of uh, Voltaire had this quote where he said, if you want to know who rules you, look at who you're not allowed to uh, criticize. And that means that children with leukemia rule us all. Because <laughs> I, I was kind of the flip to it. Like, wait, <laughs> we can't criticize orphans. Does that mean orphans are in charge of everything? But I digress. Um, all right. One, oh, but we were setting up an interview with this Rothbardian chick. And what, where the name comes from, I know it sounds weird. It's uh, a take on the, the economicist. Econ, that is the hardest word for me to say in the world. The economicist? The guy who does the economic things. Economist. Economic. No, that's not how you say it. Economist. 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 <laughs> you said it so smugly with no humility. <laughs> the economist, Murray, uh, economist, historian, philosopher, Murray Rothbard. Apparently, this chick's such a fan of him and birds. She came up with the Rothbardian. Uh, but uh, just a great shit poster. Great, great person to post on Twitter. And this is my public apology for like, she was like, hey, you want to interview me? I'm like, hey, new guy with a podcast. Why don't you come on here? She's like, and right away she goes, absolutely, what time? And I go, uh, we're not set up for video chat or recording that, or we're good at talking into a can and publishing it on the web, but we'll get better, we'll get there. So Rothbardian, we, we hope to have you on one day. Uh, now, the main, this is the main hunk of important information I need to get through to everybody tonight. And I know a lot of people ain't going to like it, but it's one of the truest things I've ever said. And that is, as a person who grew up in a very stereotypical Western lifestyle, 99.9% .9 of Western movies suck. They are, so, they are some of the worst. It's the same story in a slightly different form with an all shucks, thank you, ma'am, 
And uh, me and Merce both grew up around multiple cowboys. Merce going to working on his ranch and going to rodeos. I grew up around Mexican cowboys, which is a very different thing that we'll get into later. <laughs> that's a very that's its own thing. Trust me. But uh, like Merce, like with the you know the white hats and the black hats in the westerns, right? Right. White hats, good guy. Does like the the white hat cowboy ever cuss? Probably not. No, and he he orders a sarsaparilla at the bar because he won't have a whiskey. Yeah, and and uh, and the bad guy is well, I don't know. I, I guess they have a lot of different forms of bad guys. But if if there's one thing that drives me crazy, if the bad guy isn't a gunslinger, he's got like some gunslinger that works for him. Yeah. And the gunslinger can shoot the nuts off of a gnat at 400 yards with a pistol, like with both eyes, like he's the baddest shot in all the West. Unless the good guys run in front of him like twenty yards away, just across the screen, and no, he misses every single bullet. Like no, the good guy instantly gets a quicker draw than out of the blue. And like, if you meet someone who has worked cattle their whole life, their whole life, not like they did it when they were younger, and then some decent things happened to them, and they got to own a bunch of cattle, and that no, like day worker, they're not the most. And God bless them. I wouldn't change like like we need those people, but. They're not the most eloquently spoken, politically correct, ah shucks, thank you ma'am. They're, they're people that know how to fight very, very well. Like, and the, the people got leathery skin, they got big bones that stick out, like big elbows and big knuckles and big, and it's just like, damn, you just hurt looking at you. Yeah. Uh, you put if you put a true day laborer cowboy beside Roy Rogers, you can definitely tell. The it's it's such a different. Like you'll be like, is that guy on meth? It's like no, he's just been in the Florida sun for fifty years, and it dries them up and makes them tough and bows the legs. And- there was there was one guy uh, named Bob Bob, and Bob Bob was like six foot four, every bit of. Every bit of 250 pounds, nothing but muscle. Like, nothing but just corn-fed, huge dude. And I believe the story went, he was uh, he was pulling up to a gas station that had a store inside. And as he's walking up, like, a guy is roughing up his girlfriend or, like, chewing her out. And Bob Bob's, like, not all there in the head. Like, sweet guy, nice guy. He's just... If you've ever seen the stereotype, like the cartoonishly retarded Southerner, that's I'm not... I'm picturing of, of mice and men. That's not Bob Bob, because Bob Bob might hear this one day. <laughs> but Bob Bob, he, he, great guy, but I guess he went up like, hey, you shouldn't be hurting a lady like that. And he walked up, and the guy grabbed a carpenter hammer and stuck it and like put the hook in <laughs> into Bob Bob's head. And Bob Bob pulled it out and began beating the living hell out of the guy with it. And uh, I think if I hit a guy with something like that, or a bat, and he just sits there and looks at me, I'm just going to have to go on my knees and take it, because at that point, I've hit you with everything I've got. And, and, <laughs> and like, dude, enough. almost like every one of these guys, you go, like, I've got in fights growing up, but well, I, I, I fought my producer one time. That's story of another night. Uh, but he's a good friend, I'm not. Uh, but man, these... Yeah, so Western's like the only one that has ever come close is the the one of the best damn movies ever and one of the most unknown, and that is Appaloosa. Because and if you haven't started if you haven't seen it, stars uh Ed Harris, who I'm don't take this as fact, just watching him act I'm like that dude's like probably 
punches cows for a living. Uh, and Vigo Mortensen, who, uh, I don't know, tall, lanky, Spaniard-looking guy. But the, the two best things about that movie, uh, one, the longest gunfight throughout the whole thing is six seconds. <laughs> and literally, when they get done, one retorts to the other, like, that was quick, and eh, well, everyone knows how to shoot. Uh, but... The other best thing about it, and this is like my lifelong dream, is to acquire one of these, is an 8-gauge shotgun. Now, for those of y'all that like aren't very gun tech savvy, like the, the smaller the gauge, the wider the shotgun barrel is, and the wider of, uh, the, the more pellet and the more load and bigger shell you can put into it. And uh, most people like, I guess bird, what Merce turkeys and bird. I guess twenty gauge is probably the more popular one. Although a lot of people use I twelve. Twelve because yeah. I want to reach out and touch them. I uh, yeah yeah I I like them dead. I don't I don't like them <laughs> thinking about it. I, and and twelve on a turkey, they're done. They're done. They're they're you can use twelve gauge on a deer, and as long as you're close enough, it's going down. Um, except Bob Bob. But with eight gauges, they called them duck or boat guns. Was that it? Uh, they used to have punt, punt guns. Punt guns, but instead of holding this up like a normal gun, like up on your shoulder, they would go out on boats and mount it to the front. Have you ever seen those pictures of them? Mount them to the front of boats. And instead of shooting one duck in like a flock flying over you, you just aim for the flock of them and take out like as many as you can in one shot. And they were devastating on the Okeechobee duck population. Uh and now you can't get them. You can't like buy a lot of those shells. You got to get them custom made. But that's my life dream is to get an eight gauge and get a home uh, to get a thing you can make neat little plastic projects with at the house. That's my goal is to I can make little knickknacks and collector's items. Not uh, has nothing to do with eight gauges or anything like that. And then you can also lose the eight gauge in a boating accident. No, not in a boating accident. Mine is uh, mine is don't come looking for it. <laughs> just just stay away. I'm uh, I'll go Dale Gribble and not uh, not recognize the flag on you because it's turned backwards. And that, that was settled in an 1892 naval case. All right, so I was twirling in the old noodle. One of the things, like we were talking about last week, with cussing, and you know where where did that come from? Uh, here's something I really got to thinking about since then. My mind's been spinning on that subject. PR, personal relations. I think this is, and I I don't think it's. I don't know. It could be by grand design. I don't think it is. I think this is something like some form of it or another governs so much of how we interact. And how, like one of the things was like cussing, like as part of public relations, not say a bunch of vulgar stuff that'll turn off a lot of your audience members. But you know, I'm not trying to make this like a bash cops moment. I'm really not. But I, I saw a, uh, I saw a picture of like a cop, like kept, like visiting like a sick kid. And like my first thought was like, that's really sweet to visit the sick kid. And then I thought about this. What if it was like a Walmart rep visiting that sick kid and doing like the same thing the cop is? Like, you know, uh, giving him a football or, you know, like the, I'm not I'm not saying anything bad about the cop. I was just, you know, it's like if we saw a Walmart rep there doing the same thing as him, we would all like subconsciously know like, oh, in the end, that's for him to get money. Like that's some kind of advertising goodwill. And there, there is, it's not... A, 
it's not completely altruistic. Like our brain would like default, but I think, and maybe this cop's total intent was altruistic. Like he, he was, I'm not saying he wasn't, but like whenever we have a public service person do it, I think for some reason we attach much more, I don't know if altruism is the right word, but to that, like, oh, that can't be for selfish reasons to make the police department look good or good media relations or good, uh, uh, you know, I don't have good PR. I will never run for no, purpose. no, Merce is the worst with PR. He, he's good at marketing, just not PR. Don't uh, ask my opinion. Uh, but like, like, I'll give you a good example of, of how I think PR has really affected the way we talk. The word scandal I've like I was thinking about really v- words with very vague definitions, and scandal refers to everything from Bill Clinton lying about what he did with Monica Lewinsky to Ollie North trading, you know, trading drugs for weapons. Like it, it, it literally spans the the fr- from. Someone telling a little white lie. Well, I guess not a little white lie, but a, a little lie. Something was white. Yeah, <laughs> stains. Uh, but uh, it go, you, you know, and there's that, uh, which you, I, I feel like now with the news on either side, they can almost cement an entire story by going like, oh, that's just a scandal. The Bill Cosby scandal. Like, it'd be another thing. I, I, actually, that's what spurred this. I, I heard someone kind of referencing... Uh, I think it was on the Michael Malice show. It was back whenever the stuff about Catholic priests was starting to come out, like how much the Catholic church was like covering for them. And uh, it was, I think it was an atheist. He was referring to an interview or a debate between like an atheist or a real skeptic of the Catholic church and, and a representative of it. And the representative of it says something along the lines of, well, you know, you don't mind if we talk about the scandal, do you? And the critic goes, oh, no, I don't mind us talking about how y'all systematically excused diddling of little boys. And it's like, it's like, whoa, that's a different thing than just saying this word scandal. Like, if you actually s- describe what the scandal is, it is much different. Uh, what? Uh, I, I mean, there's tons of other examples from... Bill Cosby doing the horrible drugging women and, and doing everything he did. By the way, hey, all right, this is really going to give away where we are, but I don't care because this, this is something I've thought about for a while. Total side tangent. Do you remember if you're driving south on 17 on the outskirts of town going into another little town that borders us to the south? Uh, there was a white building that had like a white house with a front porch that was abandoned that had black spray painting all over it and yes. different letters and where you, you remember what you I'm talking about the core memory. Yeah. All right. You want to know what one of the things that and guys, people listening, what I'm talking about is when we were growing up, like in the early nineties, I'm talking about like May, or mid 95, there was this abandoned house on one of the main state roads going through our town, like towards the outskirts of town. There was a white single family home. Long abandoned grass growing up, and someone on like this very white house took black spray paint and wrote words all over it. And I don't know if it's my mind making it up, but I can, like, dude, I could about swear on my mother or my kids. You want to know what one of the things that was written up there? No. 
Bill Cosby is a rapist. Dude. Why does that sound right? And like, dude, I, cause I remember seeing that and I remember like, you know, when we were growing up, Bill Cosby was the most wholesome, good hearted kids say that. And I remember thinking like, what mean person would write that about Bill Cosby? He's like I, the Jello man. Yeah. Like I remember like, like once I figured out what rapist was like, maybe like this and this building was spray painted like from 95 to like 2005, like after hurricane Charlie. So it was the original Twitter. Yeah, really. It really like, dude, people wrote crazy stuff on it. But the craziest thing I remember is Bill Cosby is a rapist. And I remember thinking like, why? But now looking back, I'm like, Oh no, <laughs> like they knew something. Some guy with a tin hat was like spray painting on it. He's like, you'll all see one day. <laughs> he, he caught the right wavelength. So what I'm saying is people believe all graffiti you read. <laughs> Every bit of it. And all right, this is something that I used to believe hardcore, but the older I get and the more I analyzed it and the more I listened to edgelord comedians that admittedly the edge gets a little, uh, 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 a little too sharp for its own good sometimes. But, when they're right, they're right. Uh, too soon. Who the hell came up with this? If something's too soon to criticize. Uh, I, I I mean, when does the too soon... By the way, if I ever say anything on this podcast about anybody, I don't care if someone came to my funeral and said equal things about me. Like, it's, I, I mean, okay, maybe I don't want them to grab a microphone and say it up to everybody. But I don't, like, I, I don't know. I'll be dead. I don't care. Um... Yeah, that's just, it's another one of those PR things that always, I'll tell you, sympathizing a little bit with lefties, I think what I just described is something they're getting at with like gender roles and stuff like that. Like, oh, like just the woman's job is this and the man's job is that is just preconceived. And I'll say this, like, I think you got a leg to stand on in some scenarios. Like I heard there was actually a ranch, uh, and I, I don't know what the outcome of this experiment is because I have two very sexist views that kind of go against each other. Not concrete sexist views, just like kind of things. Uh, they hired, supposedly they were going to start hiring only women to operate their machines, like their tractors and stuff. And I was like, that's a ballsy move. Uh, that's a, I was like, uh, you know, they get wrecks a lot, right? <laughs> but, but no, but he said it, he explained it to me like this. And I thought it was such a neat point of view. He said, nah, he goes, listen, every guy that gets on these machines, they're up their own ass and they think they know it all drive it like they've done in a hundred years. He goes, and they haven't and they screw it up. So a woman that gets on these machines are intimidated by them. They're going to drive them slow. They're going to drive them careful and they're never going to hot rod on them. And I was like, Oopsies. I just I just don't see him smoking a curb or a ditch. No, yeah, yeah. Uh, but well, I was that was something that got my mind thinking on that. I mean, I did just flip a skid steer last week. So. He did. That's the guy talking right there. Uh, and I smashed a door off my tractor, so I gotta get that fixed before summer gets too hot because that's driving me crazy. And speaking about driving me crazy, there's like first of all, Mike Tyson, uh, colossal man. All right. Weird thing about Mike Tyson, side rant, besides what I was just about to get into that I haven't even got into yet, there is something, uh, I can't make up my mind if it's like pitiful or one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. And it's how, Mike Tyson is quite literally, possibly the most dangerous man on earth with his bare hands, just due to his size, due to his 
everything. And yet the entire collective internet that would probably lose most fights it got in, including myself, we're just totally okay with teeing off on what he talks like. Like, all of us just snicker and giggle. Now, Kith. And, like, we put, we substitute every meme with him. It substitutes any S with the TH. And we laugh our asses off knowing if he was sitting right by us. I don't know. Like, it, I think it's lowered our guard. Because I think if he was sitting right by me, I'd be like, dude, look at this funny meme of yourself. And for all I know, he'll go crazy and kill me. Like, he did a Apparently, with some poor fella on a plane. Uh, so, Merce has some details on it. Do, do you know what? I mean, it's all like hearsay, hear back and forth. But essentially, I guess they were sitting behind Mike Tyson. They were like, Tom Merce, got a selfie. But the guy, I guess, was drunk and was just constantly pestering him. There's pictures of him, like, up over talking over Mike's head. Being a and, polite gentleman. And then... And I guess then I guess threw a water bottle or dumped a water bottle on Mike Tyson, too. And was, I guess, egging him on. And then... Just the, he went off. That's suicide by Tyson. Yeah, that's it's, it's that's the definition of poking the bear. The best the best meme I've seen is like the air marshals on that flight going like, <laughs> just whatever. Like I'm not even. How do you? No, let them do. It. Let them fight. <laughs> but and like uh, on the same, literally, it's like I hear that, and a couple hours later, I see this picture circulating that melts my mind of Mike Tyson, unrelated to. Him fighting what sounds like a guy that deserves it. Um, apparently, Mike Tyson is reading Thomas Sow- Sowell? Soul? Sowell? S O W E L L. I still I should know how to say it, but every we need a phonics book. Yes, <laughs> Sow- Soul. He's he's a cool black guy from the seventies and eighties. And like, what what got him? That first of all, he's he's reading uh, Mike Tyson's reading Thomas Sowell's book, Economics in One Lesson. And like the brilliance to Thomas Sowell, Sowell, but I'm going to say it like four times every time I say his name. Uh, he he has this neat little story where I'm pretty sure he went to college, got super educated, and, and he was such a leftist that instead of taking like a high paying job in the uh, private market, he was like, oh, I'm going to go work for Social Security because that's going to do the most good for like, you know, elderly and everything. And he says while he was at Social Security, that was... I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but that was his red pill. That was his like, oh, this, this isn't designed to help out poor elderly people. This is designed to keep everybody still employed at, at Social Security. And all, the, all, the, all we do here is pretty much run PR for ourselves to say why we're so important. We still need a paycheck. So that flipped him, and he went on to start obliterating like every – main narrative about a lot of how government functions from like uh, a lot like even though he is a black guy grew up on welfare like he was the one of the people that financially really tied it like oh this is making the black community worse which if I'm I tend to believe Thomas Sowell's arguments because this thing is like after slavery so you're gonna have to imagine with me like a little bit so like post slavery right after it if you imagine a bar graph, you like you got the average white household's income and the average black household's income. And as you'd imagine, as soon as slaves were set free, set free, the white families were like way up high and the blacks were like way down low because they don't have any capital, they don't have anything going. But as time goes on after the Civil War, you see both of them going up because uh, industrial revolution, stuff starts being accessed to all people. And the another thing you see is like, 
black people's median, uh, I don't know if it's the median or average, but household income is rising faster than white people's are. Now, they're, they haven't called up to white people yet, but like they're, they're gaining on them. They're getting closer along with everybody else due to all this new capital moving. And then we get into the Great Depression. Everybody's drops a little bit, but about, about the same rate all around. Uh, and then as soon as like this pattern starts to come up again of white people, black people coming up to meet white people, Social Security, and then later on, welfare gets enacted. Well, Social Security doesn't have a whole lot to do with it, but welfare. And then you see it, like, make a reverse and start getting deeper and bigger, that difference. He was, I'm pretty sure he was the first to point it out, but that, his book, Economics One Lesson, is like, it is the book, if I'm being honest, I need to read it. But I've read just little excerpts from it and stuff like that, and it is the book, if you don't understand economics, read this. He makes it dumb, simple. There's no, bar, there's no, there, the only graphs are very simple graphs. But it, and it's him just logically explaining how none of this stuff actually ends up working. And it all simply stems from taking other people's money to pay for stuff. There's, there's always crooked incentives. There's always, but yeah. I don't even think he's necessarily an anarchist. I think he's like a minarchist or a Randian or... I know he don't like government. That's his main thing. So, like, along with the PR, and all right, I want to backtrack on one little thing I said. I don't know if it was last week or the week before about Elon Musk. Now, how should I approach this? Good first or bad first? Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. In my head, we're going to do good first. Um, all right. So, like, on one hand, I've heard uh, with the Elon takeover of Twitter or attempted takeover, one of the things I'm really uh, liking isn't just, like you know, for what he says, he's for free speech. Uh, apparently, everybody that is against free speech, I know I talked about Max Boot last episode and some other things, are coming out with knives against him, trying to, like, try, trying to keep these channels of information locked down. And I thought one of the really neat ideas he had was how to get rid of the Twitter bot farms. Did you hear about his blue check thing? I saw that we'd, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll kill the Twitter bots or die trying. And it's a real, and I was just listening to, uh, of all people, Joe Rogan, but they like, they were showing examples of it where it's like, it really makes me wonder how much of Twitter is bots. And I don't even think like, sure, Russian bots, I'm sure are some of it, but I bet they're like one of a lot of different I bet groups. faster than the other bots. Always rushing around. No, he, he literally. Uh, I wish I wish y'all could have seen my face on that. I'm like, why would they be faster? Is because because their landmass or their server capacity is bigger? No, they're rushing. That they're rushing it. <laughs> Thank you, Merce. Um, but you know, blue check mark to uh, Elon's idea is instead of just giving blue check marks to just the people that Twitter deems important, you have to pay for them. So that way the people that make like a thousand accounts to just spam something in some certain direction, they want a blue check mark that proves you're a real person. They'd like have to pay two bucks and that would ruin their operation. Uh, whereas me for the bandit radio hour, I wouldn't mind throwing two bucks and Hey, I get to be one of the important people with that. their blue check mark and feel validated one day, one day, but just prove I'm a real person. But all right. <laughs> Now then, here is something I really, I guess I got to say I believe. This is like one of my consistent beliefs. I believe whatever powers there are that be 
there is controlled opposition. There is, like, you know what I'm talking about by controlled opposition, Merce? And just like a, a small example I could think of, and I'm not saying, I'm not pointing to a specific event in which this happened, but let's say there was a large protest outside of my building and it was a peaceful protest and I wanted to make it look like uh, they were wild. I would get an agent provocateur to go out there and be controllable opposition to start saying bad things to make them look bad. I've seen this on both sides. I've seen what I believe is this on both sides of the movements. Same thing with the people at the rallies. Same thing with, like, the guy I saw, and this is the only one example I can think of at Black Lives Matters rallies, but I did see one example of a dude, like, tearing up an auto zone that did not look like he belonged to the crowd, who looked, looked like he was starting stuff. And at, like, the trucker rallies in Canada, we also saw the one picture that went around on social media for one day of a Nazi flag, like, and they were, everybody that didn't like the movement was like, oh, proof, they're all Nazis. And anyone else is like, it could just be a guy that ran up there and took a picture to make them look really bad. Uh, you know, South Park did an episode on it way back in the day. I can't remember what the, what, what specifically it was. Maybe it was like evolution being taught in schools or something. And the KKK comes up and is like, yeah, we're on the side of all the people that don't want it taught in schools. And. There's like Mr. Garrison or somebody's like, hey, no, y'all should go on the other side because everybody hates your guts. <laughs> no matter what side you support, everyone's going to hate it. And the KKK is like, oh, yeah, well, now we believe in evolution. That, like, it's the same. Just you, you throw appearances out. So I do believe there is some form of that going on to what scale and to what degree. That's the thing I don't know. But the reason I'm getting into all that is there is a part of me that is like, what if Elon Musk is a, uh, uh, what, what do you call it? Guy with the flute? P- Pied Piper. There you go. Because uh, literally, and Hillary Clinton admitted this with Donald Trump, she was excited about him getting the nomination for the Republican Party. She thought it would be a slam dunk. They literally like, uh, I, I don't want to quote because I'm not like pulling it up and reading it up. But I want to say there was something with her giving money to certain campaigns or talking people out of giving money to certain campaigns. She's like, no, I want Trump to win because then I can like just it's automatic victory. And then Trump won. And no, that that didn't happen. Uh, But like if things like that happen. What if I'm not saying I believe this. What if Elon is the guy who's going, oh, yeah, I'm going to give you free speech. Everyone get excited about me buying Twitter, yada, yada, yada. Then he buys it, and then this is just a ruse he's leading us on. Like, this is, he is the controlled opposition. He's like, oh, I'm for free speech, but no, 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 we can't have, even, I'm the free speech guy, and I'm saying we can't have. Well, I've heard he censored crazy. stuff that said bad against Tesla. Yes. So, I don't know. And, like, that one... I still personally believe he's just got too much money and is bored and is doing it for fun. That's what I really hope it is. I I hope it's that, because, like, he also... Like, I've heard one criticism against him, like, look how much of his money is through government contracts. And, like, yes, quite a bit. But also... He announces he's buying Twitter, and the SEC just goes, oh, we're going to start investigating your company for all these different loans. And it's like, oh. So it looks like, and I get it on one, on one hand, once you make enough money, you got to play ball with the government, or else the government makes you play by their rules. 
So you might, I see the, the not totally evil way of going like, well, I better get in there and make sure I have some control of the rules that are being applied to me. But then you get stuff where it, uh, you know, you remember Judge Napolo, Judge Napolitano? Yes. All right, the guy from Fox News, for yeah, those of you. He went off on a rant. Yeah. Oh, you remember what I'm, yeah, that's what I'm about to get into. So he had a good take on this. Uh, uh, so hey, let me let me wrap up that thought. Elon Musk, hope he's good, like everybody else hopes. He might not be. I'm not. I'm not calling that one yet. We're gonna have to wait and see. Wild card. Wild card. Yes, he is that. Uh, but you know, like in the early '90s, I think a lot of people thought Bill Gates was the wild card, and look at what he's turned into. And it it blows my mind. I hear more conservatives go off about Bill Gates, which like. I don't know. I'm kind of neutral. I try not to buy his stuff. <laughs> but, like, yeah, it's concerning when one guy's buying up a lot of farmland and stuff. Uh, but Judge Nap- Napolitano, I, mean, I don't see many liberals doing it. Anyways, let me reorganize the thoughts. Let me reshuffle the deck. So I'm listening to Judge Napolitano, and he was talking about, uh, you know, <laughs> Disney might be losing its uh, uh, favorable, gov- no, well, its governmental status as its self-governing entity of uh, uh, here in Orlando in those counties in Florida. What 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 damn county is it? Sunrise Orange. or Orange? Or, yeah, and it's self-governing entity. And you know, he had such a good spin on it. He goes, "You realize, like, if you break down how they got this status, if you really look at it, and you look at what its inception was." The government decided to give a bunch of breaks to a guy who drew pictures. Like that, because he did a lot of cultural things that they were in favor of. But it's like, all right, that guy's going to die. The corporation's going to be left. And eventually the people that are left over are going to go, how do we make more money? And you just eat. So anytime, I don't know, even like these these America first companies that like conservatives like to tell, it's like, Dude, they might be America first right now. Give it two generations. <laughs> like they're they're going to be selling out to everybody, and that's why I just don't give. But then again, I don't hear many conservatives arguing against cutting subsidies to big businesses. So that that might be me strawmanning them a little bit. But what I was so it was like side tangent and side tangent. So Judge Napolitano. All right, if y'all aren't like a super, the people that know about Judge Napolitano aren't just right-wingers. They're typically like right-wingers or libertarians or anarchists who are like nerdy about the stuff, aren't just fly-by consumers of You made me watch it. Yeah, I made Merce watch it growing up. So Napolitano was this like awesome, I guess like a libertarian judge, but back before libertarianism was like even a word like it is today. Uh, And he had, this is, all right, controlled opposition. This is what really convinced me that there is something at Fox News that is controlled opposition. Because I can't even, I think he started out like coming on Bill O'Reilly and stuff. And he was always, it seems like the questions that were asked to him, if he was to give his honest constitutional opinion that he would give anywhere else, not just Fox News, the questions almost always seemed to be framed in a way that would support whatever Bill O'Reilly was arguing. Like looking back on it, like, tell me, Judge Napolitano, should our, uh, is it, it doesn't the president constitutionally have the authority to direct the military? And it's like Napolitano would be like, well, 
Yes, he does that have that authority, but Congress didn't declare a bill of rights. Like, shh, 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 hush, hush, hush. We don't talk about that part. <laughs> President can order the troops around. That's what we're talking about here. Uh, so anyways, he eventually like broke off of being a pundit, and he eventually had the biggest, the most viewed thing on Fox Business. He was getting the most eyes on his network, most eyes and ears on the advertisers. And But he started, I don't know if he got more radicalized I think he's like damn near an anarchist now. And it's so weird because he's like a suit and tie, slick haired back, Italian. If he's not an anarchist, he's very, very close to that. Uh, but he goes on this rant, rant, and you can look it up on YouTube. It is uh, Judge Napolitano's Freedom Watch. It's the very last episode. It's Fox News. I... There's no confirmation of this, but I'm almost certain someone's like at the top is like, yeah, you're getting the most views on your channel, but you're getting a little too extreme. Time for you to go. And Judge Napolitano on his last damn episode on this network. And this is what really like one of my early red pills. Dude dropped the mic. He drops the mic and it's pretty much like a Ron Paul what if speech. But he's like, what if there's no difference between the Democrats and Republicans? What if they're just arguing over these petty issues to to distract us from bigger issues? What if they've all voted on war? They've all voted on inflation. They've all, he just goes down the list of how corrupt they all are. And uh, like, and he goes, this is Judge Andrew. Napolitano signing off and literally it's like unplug. You don't have a network anymore. You're hardly coming on here anymore. Don't get invited on anywhere. Well, now that's where my mom gave me some pushback. Who was a Fox news mom. And she goes, now I see him still come on Tucker Carlson and one or two other guys every now and then. I'm like, yeah, but it's like the Bill O'Reilly thing. They only bring him on to talk about it. They don't get him to lie. They just only ask him about things they already know his answer to. And it's just supporting their side. But I don't know if I'm talking about my boy Tucker. But I've never been so bipolar with a person. I trust Tucker Carlson as being honest. I honestly trust he's talking about his opinion. Another side note with Tucker. We all grew up around here listening to talk radio called 102.5 The Bone. And one of the big personalities back then was uh, Bubba the Love Sponge. You remember him, Merce? You remember Tucker Carlson going on Bubba the Love Sponge before he got big? No, I don't remember that. Oh, dude, it's wild. It was, and like, I would see him, I'd see Tucker guest spot on Fox, but then we'd all be listening to Bubba the Love Sponge. Bubba the Love Sponge would be like, you know someone's going to beat your ass over that bow tie one. And Bubba the Love Sponge, for those of y'all that haven't heard of him, he was about, uh, to put him in a good light, he was about as edgelordy and vulgar as you could be on like a public radio station, on FM radio. Put him in a bad light, he was a fat, nasty, wannabe Howard Stern. Like a, Flor- a Florida man version of Howard Stern. I, th- I think... That's a- Pretty accurate. Yeah, uh, and and I think he had a pretty big fan base, but he ended up uh, just doing a bunch of ethic- ethically questionable things for the showbiz. But yeah, Tucker used to go on there and get like, here's why I think Tucker Carlson is honest. The opinions he would give on Bubba the Love Sponge might not be like exactly his opinions today because that was like 15 years ago, but you can like trace like where he might have changed a little bit, but it's not drastically different. He wasn't just saying things just to appeal to that audience. Uh, and apparently someone did almost, from what I heard, I don't know how true this is, someone did about kick his ass on the subway for wearing a bow tie. So he's like, all right, I'm switching to a tie. Uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, so I think he's being honest, 
But dude, he will give like a 15 minute monologue on how much we can't trust government because government always plays favorites and this and that. And, and, uh, it always perverts the market and this, but he's like, but these giant corporations are just shipping off all these jobs overseas. We got to make the government get in charge of these corporations and make them work here. And I'm like, no, that's, we'll have like slave camps. Like, how can you be so <laughs> opposite ends and still, but I, I do think he's being honest, but However, like three quarters of the people I see at Fox and when I'm passing at my mom's and I'm passing by the TV and I hear it come up. Ugh. Oh God, it's propaganda. And a good, if you really want to know, and this ain't all of the propaganda, but if you want a really neat way to tell what is propaganda, watch MSNBC and Fox News. And what they agree on besides stuff like, yes, humans breathe air. Like aside from the obvious things, that's my little gauge of like, oh, this is this is something. I don't know if it's coming from a top. I don't know if it's some organic bullshit that is coming out of uh, media foundations and headquarters. But I know it's not completely honest at all. It's always written from an angle that is deception. Uh, oh, is deception? Ooh, that that sounds real Alex Jonesy. I don't like that. That is just dishonest. It's it's not that they're wrong. It's that they're dishonest. And all right, I got to talk about my boy, my my biggest proof of concept that the president does not matter and is not in control of what things are actually happening. Uh, I know y'all saw Joe Biden at the Easter egg thing at the White House when he was like lost and dude. I don't know. I don't know if that's what your mind does at an old age or if that's the drugs they got them on. Either way, I want it or I can't wait because that is going to be fun. But, dude, we all saw the Easter Bunny talking to him. And, all right, we all, we all saw him being confused and not quite knowing what to do. Here's my bandit original take. That was not the Easter Bunny. I mean, it was a suit of the Easter Bunny. That's actually the head of the Illuminati telling telling Biden what to do. He own, but here's my thing. Here's my special twist on the conspiracy. He doesn't want anybody to know who he is, so he always shows up in a themed costume. So like at Halloween, whenever he wants to go talk to Joe Biden or like the, the Bilderberg group or whatever, he dresses like a scary witch. <laughs> Around Christmas, he's Santa Claus. And for these, like he always has to pick something. And that that's my... Yeah. That's uh, my version of the conspiracy. Oh, wow. The president is getting ready to, is talking to reporters and the Easter bunny gets in the middle and waves him off and sends Dude. him the other way. Dude, like, I, I, with Biden, uh, you know, I remember when I was younger and George Bush was president and I would hear lefties probably now looking back correctly saying, that dumb Texan ain't in charge. It's just the oligarchs that are backing them that are really making decisions. I'm like, you mean the cool cowboy George Bush? No way, man. He, he's awesome. He's got six shooters. He's got a ranch. He chainsaw stuff. Uh, looking back on it, it's like, oh, dude, yeah, obviously. <laughs> yeah, he, he knew about Iraq. He was fully informed. No, regardless of how you feel about Biden, you can you can't tell me that dude. man is running at running the show. Dude, and here's the thing. There's those people in like real hard lefties, there's like a big part of me that and not even like real hard lefties, I guess just slightly hard lefties. I can understand like if you're to the point of like no, Joe Biden is too quote unquote far right for me. 
is like, I can get what you're saying. You're saying, I don't like the system. I want the system to change. I greatly disagree with you on how. But good God, you imagine being the people in the middle that are still like, like the president matters? Like this person's making sense. Are those the non-playable characters? Are I don't know. I don't know at this point. It's 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 all a dream. Democracy doesn't work. To, to and just uh, I've gotten in enough rants about democracy. It just doesn't work. And in a final segment tonight, this is something I want to try to make a uh, reoccurring segment. We're calling it Bandit My Bads until we think of something better. Uh, I told y'all in the previous episodes, if I say anything that sounds wrong to you or something you want to know more about or have a different view on, please let me know. I'll try to do a course correction and admit it when I make a little bandit my bad. So one of the things this actually comes from a family member that listened to it and they said, hey man, you talked about this Abu Ghraib scandal with, uh, you know, half of the prisoners not being men and y'all can go back to the episode, I think it's titled got Abu Ghraib in the title and listen. Uh, and I made some claims in there, like half of the prisoners weren't men, so they had to be some other kind of human. Uh, also, that I believe I said, like, none of the people really got in big trouble for that. Well, I got to make a couple of corrections to that. Oh, and I also said WikiLeaks leaked it. That was definitely incorrect. It was actually released uh, by Joe Darby. I did a little bit more research. A reserve soldier for the U.S. forces, uh, he exposed the violations ongoing at Abu Ghraib prison in January 2004. The photographs were handed to him on a CD by Charles Grainer, uh, and after seeing the images, it took him three weeks to hand the photos in. Shortly after the soldiers were accused, the soldiers accused were removed from the base. And I know the ones that were actively involved in the torture were court-martialed, sentenced to prison, uh... I don't know how long of terms. I didn't do that good of research. Did they have to make pyramids? <laughs> you know what? Probably not for the COs, but maybe for the other inmates. Uh, but uh, the one thing I did notice, though, while I was doing the research, all so the people that did the torturing went went to prison. The people overseeing the facilities, like the the, the like the manager of the different prisons, and that nothing. They're still they're still doing their thing. The so that's uh. That's something, it was some, you know, it's funny, Merce said, like, that looked like a dyke woman. I swear, like, the lady who was in charge of all these facilities looks like this. I know it's not the same person we saw in those pictures. Looks a lot like her, though. Yeah, never court-martialed, never nothing. Still got her job, still. No, no, she retired. She she retired, so she got her retirement. Uh, so that's me correcting the record on a bandit, my bad. So I'm going to keep trying to do my best to keep you people entertained. And keep y'all coming back. Thank y'all for the support, especially you people in Belgium. Y'all surprised me, and I like it. But also across the United States, a couple people in Australia. And uh, everybody, thank y'all so much for the downloads and views. And y'all have a good rest of your week. Follow me at Bandit Radio Hour, and uh, tune in for next time.